0: Welcome to Mostly Books Meets. We're the team at Mostly Books, an award winning independent bookshop in Abingdon. In this podcast series, we'll be speaking to authors, journalists, poets, and a range of professionals from the world of publishing. We'll be asking about the books that are special to them, from childhood favourites to the book that changed their life, and we hope you'll join us for the journey. It is my great pleasure to welcome onto the podcast this week, author Bobby Palmer. Bobby's much-anticipated debut novel, Isaac and the Egg, was published on the 9th of August. I cannot even begin to express to our listeners how excited the book industry is for this title. Before it's even been released, Isaac and the Egg has people queuing up to sing its praises. Joanna Cannon says it is truly one of the most beautiful stories you will ever read. What is it about... I'd love to have a stab at explaining, but I can't. You're just going to have to find out for yourself. She's right. To try and explain Isaac and the egg would be to dispel its unique magic. Just be assured that this is a story of grief and hope that will be loved and cherished by many a reader for years to come. Bobby Palmer, welcome to Mostly Books
1: Meets. Thank you. It's great to be here. And that was a, that was a very nice introduction. So thanks for that, too.
0: We always start with sort of you know, the, the praise, which um, some authors, you can tell they're sort of thinking, yep, yeah, that's right. Yep, yeah, I am. That is correct. This is a very good book. And then some, some authors, they sort of shy away slightly from the praise. But I'm right in saying this is one of many podcasts that you've got lined up. All the book yeah
1: it is yeah but this is this is my my first ever podcast so this is a very new experience for me and I'm I'm normally a uh, freelance journalist so it's, it's really strange having someone ask me the question
0: <laughs> oh being on the other side of it usually you would yeah. Yeah, you
1: would be in
0: my position well yes I mean the fact that you're lined up for so many podcasts I think sort of sh- reflects as I've said that kind of there's a lot of there's a lot of hype around this novel how does that feel for you as this being your debut you know your debut work as it were how does it feel now to be in a process where at the time of recording i must say the book is not out yet it's currently it's currently the end of june but of course when this podcast is released the book will have been published it's out in the world how do you feel about that process happening
1: now it's really really surreal i mean i feel like every author's every author's dream is is to have people receive their their book positively you know i think it always feels weird when people beyond your family start reading the book or or people beyond the people you forced it and people who have to read it (laughs) start reading it so to have people connecting with it is just the best feeling and and, yeah very it's just it's just really really special so it's also very daunting every author sort of dreams of it and if they if they say they don't i think they're lying because when it gets to this point pre-publication there's there's a lot of pressure (laughs) you start you start sort of running through all the worst case scenarios in your head but i feel very lucky to have have had really nice reactions so far so fingers crossed
0: Yes, no, 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 you're fine. Yeah, you're fine. You You have nothing to worry about, I assure you. And so you mentioned this, uh, authors, I think ultimately authors, yes, they want to find an audience. They want to sort of connect with people, with readers. That desire to write this story, did that stem from a love of reading yourself? Is that something you've always enjoyed? I've, I've always
1: loved reading. I When I was a, a little kid, I, I used to, I actually used to be really into comic books. I used to make my own comic books. So I, I've always had that in sort of writing and creating. I studied English at uni, but I I always wanted to go into journalism, and I have been a journalist for many years. And actually, I I never really saw myself as someone who would write fiction. And it's quite, I sort of stumbled into writing a novel. I had some vague ideas. I, the magazine I was working at closed down. So I ended up freelance and I ended up with a bit more spare time. I started writing fiction on the side of the hobby. Then there was a pandemic. I sort of lost all my journalism work. So decided to throw myself into this one idea, which became Isaac and the Egg, I, I think I wrote it in its entirety in the first lockdown. But really, it, it's interesting thinking back because I think, especially when you, if you have a semi-stable income as a as a journalist, I was a copywriter as well. I think it's quite easy to think of of fiction as something as, as almost like a hobby, like something that, that no, I was right. never going to make yeah. money out or or that that no one was ever going to read. It felt like it was almost something I was doing for myself but the, the stars aligned and i find it really strange looking back now because i think if, if i told myself four or five years ago that i'd have written a book i, I would sort of be like aren't you supposed to are you supposed to be an editor but <laughs> <Yes. laughs> yeah I, I definitely i mean magazine journalism was always what i saw myself doing for the rest of my life and then now i'm doing this but but very much from the first i'd say from the first page i wrote from the first day i started writing fiction I knew I never wanted to do anything else. It's it's totally addictive. It's just the best. Oh
0: wow! So it sounds like it was quite a, almost quite a revelation. Then, as you've said yourself, it sounds like you were very committed to to journalism, and that was kind of your your. I know it's it, it, you know a life plan is always a, a slightly odd phrase to me. It's like when people say, "What's your plan for the next five years?" And it sounds like you're a kind of prime example of you can have that idea. You can say. In five years' time, or whatever, I'll be—I'll be, I'll be an, e- an editor, and then something yeah. like this happens, and it just completely shifts your worldview. So, is that—if you don't mind me asking—is that kind of—are you seeing this as has the journalism now been sort of reduced, or is that still very much a big part of who you are and and your
1: life? It it, de- it definitely has been. I, I as I said, I I just I got the fiction bug as soon as I as soon yeah. as I started writing. And I don't know, I I think I never saw myself writing in this way because I I, I think I thought people who wrote books were sort of just smarter than me or or (laughs) inherently more creative. I thought there was something that that those people had. And I think what I didn't really realize is the people who write books tend to just be the people who have sat down and and written a book and and followed through with it. Because the amazing thing about writing a book is you can write the worst book in the world, but then you can go back and rewrite it and rewrite it and rewrite it. And that whole editing process is is what turns it into a finished thing. And that's even before you then go through the publishing process where it gets edited again. And edited yeah, again. So there's, there's so much work goes into writing a book, but it, it, it's a really fun process. And I think that's why it's become the thing for me is because yeah, mm-hmm. any joy you get out of writing a feature or a piece of journalism, you get a hundredfold from writing a book because it, it You're crafting this thing, and it very much ends up being a team effort with your with your agent, with your editor. It's true. It just, yeah, it's funny. I I think it has it has taken (laughs) taken me over completely, and and now I I do a a bit of journalism on the side. Still, I do I do a bit of copywriting too. But being an author is is very much what I'm what I'm putting all of my I was going to say all of my eggs into that basket. A bit on there. Yeah.
0: Get the get the egg puns in as as much as possible mm. during the during the podcast. So it sounds like yes. So journalism ended up being a gateway drug to the greater high that is fiction. Fiction <laughs> writing. Best way
1: of putting it.
0: So when you were younger then, and d- did you say you were sort of quite into reading because of this interest mm. in journalism? Did you do a lot of reading, sort of nonfiction? I certainly know. Actually, as a kid, I particularly enjoyed nonfiction when I was younger. Or what were you like as a young reader?
1: So I'd, I'd say I I went through stages. When I was a, a kid, I read books. I I loved reading books. I mean, like sort of any child who grew up in the nineties. I think Harry Potter was the first that that got me into books, and then I read. I just read so many of those sorts of books around that age. As an older kid, I got really, really into comics. And then I would I would read a lot of comics and sort of draw a lot of comics with the coloured pencils. And then by the time I was a teenager, I like you say, I was reading a lot of nonfiction. So I still read novels, but I very much started to have this idea that I wanted to be I think when you're a sort of sixteen, seventeen-year-old boy, you romanticize this idea of gonzo journalism. So you start reading Hunter S. Thompson John Ronson, all of that, all of that sort of stuff. So I guess it was it was a really eclectic mix of, of stuff, depending on on what what stage of my life I was I was in.
0: Yes, that crucial period of yeah, mid to to late teens. Do you, do you remember any sort of particular titles from that time that really have stayed with you, or you feel were particularly sort of
1: influential to who you are now? I would say one in particular, and this was, it would be late teens because this was when I went off to uni. And I had, up until that point, in terms of reading novels, I think I'd had these very grandiose ideas of of what reading novels is like. So I was reading Frankenstein and Dorian Gray and P.O.T. and and all these ideas. (laughs) It's like the longer the better. And I I remember trying to read The Hunchback of Notre Dame and Gerenna and giving up on both. I thought that um, reading novels was was sort of this, you had to tackle these great beasts of classic literature. And then I, in my first semester of my first year uh, uh, studying English at, at Leeds Uni, was assigned to read Mrs. Dalloway by Virginia Woolf, oh, yeah. and it just totally blew my mind. It changed my entire conception of what a book could do, because I hadn't read a lot of modernist experimental yeah. type fiction at that point, and, and what on the surface of it is the story of a very normal woman Planning a party that takes place across the course of one day it becomes this journey through the minds of everyone she interacts with, and yes. and it really spoke to me because I think since then the the sort of stories I've I've tended to really enjoy are the ones that are small stories that that actually contain multitudes that actually feel enormous because of how they're handled, and I think from that point on what I enjoyed reading just totally changed. So yeah, that that book I, I can sort of trace back my current interest in fiction definitely and and sort of the way i read now and the way i write now i can definitely al- always trace back to mrs dalloway
0: i always feel anybody that particularly enjoys reading particularly those who've maybe you said you did english at leeds uni you said yeah, yeah. I, I think anyone i've spoken to there's there's always that period of i'm gonna read the great classics and <laughs> it's an interesting process because different i think different classics speak to different people i I remember sort of around that age i thought i'm gonna read ulysses because that's gonna be (laughs) that's that's gonna mean i'm very clever and i'm gonna get it because i love and i just i i gave up and that's not me saying that that that's not the book's problem that's that's mine you know for whatever reason at that time it wasn't speaking to me but i feel everyone has that that classic that they find that then they go, yeah. oh, actually, it kind of goes against what they think a classic has to be, because people get this idea that they have to be sort of quite knotty, quite hard to get into, which sort of scares them away. And then they find this book, suddenly they think, oh, actually, this is great for me. For me, that's always been... Jane Austen I just I remember after trying to do yeah. some of the classics picking up Jane Austen I was like oh this is like I can read this and it's funny and I'm enjoying it but as you said it's one of those books that also has a lot going on underneath the surface sort of between the lines okay so Mrs. Dalloway was a kind of light bulb moment yeah from after reading Mrs. Dalloway what other books were you I know it might be sort of hard to remember a fix but what books did you find yourself gravitating towards then did you read any sort of contemporary books from the time that you thought would kind of speak to that or or were you sort of sticking to those
1: classics mm. Good question. Well, I mean, uh, one that if you fast forward a bit to more recently, and this would be probably four years ago or so, another book that... So, I mean, I, I read a lot of... I, at uni, I really enjoyed those sort of modernist books. So I read this book called Manhattan, tra- Manhattan Transfer, I think it is, by John Dos Passos, which is another book which totally plays with form and almost stream of consciousness type stuff. And I, yes. I feel like it might have actually... It was it either really inspired ulysses or or ulysses really inspired it I, I feel like there was some sort of connection there i might have totally made that up but nowadays and and sort of increasingly over the years i just read so much contemporary fiction i barely read anything that, that yes. wasn't published before the 90s or 80s i guess i'm just i just love i love reading what people are reading right now yes. and a book which felt like it really I, I felt like i could draw a line between that initial love for mrs dalloway and what, what that story sort of represents is less by andrew sean greer oh yes yeah. so that book is similarly it's there's a it's sort of a middle-aged protagonist it, it very closely follows what he's feeling what he's going through and it is also just the story of one quite small life but there's it's just got that something that that yeah. makes it feel huge makes it feel like it contains everyone's experiences within it and then yeah. I couldn't really put my finger on what it was about reading less that just felt so transformative but I loved it I, I really felt like it was so funny so charming but but so profound as well I was sort of in tears by by the end of it even though it's not a particularly sad book it's it's, yeah. it's just it's it's just bittersweet like like human experience is. but i yeah i really really enjoyed it and i the reason i i think it always comes to mind is because i read it at the i think almost at the exact point that i decided i decided that i wanted to try and write a book because i don't i don't this isn't if i say this about less it sounds like i'm insulting it but i remember reading it and being like I, I feel like I could write something like that. I feel absolutely. like this is the sort of thing I want to write, and maybe that was a, that was arrogance. But I think it was more I just really connected with the way the story was told, that it was sad, that it was serious at in points, but it was the whole thing was so much fun. And yes. it was so much fun to read and it was so funny, but that didn't detract from any of the weightiness of it. And I, I think especially in my journalism i've always gravitated towards funnier stuff towards comedy and i I, i've never i'm someone who doesn't take myself well i like to think i don't (laughs) take myself too seriously so i think to read a book that was both funny but also bigger than that it 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 really gave me the drive to be like maybe i could maybe I, i i would like to try writing something like that because it felt like it it matched my outlook i guess I I mean yes I suppose it's that it's that feeling
0: because you can read a book that you read you really enjoy you can go this book is it's brilliantly written but it it feels I don't know something about it it feels it, if someone to say was to say to you now write that now write something like that you would go oh, I could I can do something like that but I think there are there's always those special books that yeah when you read it's mm-hmm. kind of speaks to you so much and kind of connects to who you are as a person that I, yeah, what I'm saying is I don't think it's arrogance to get kind of go, that's something I you know, could do. I can sort of express or create a character or a scenario that would have that kind of same, that same resonance. I think it's just, I think it's a, a compliment to less, which I must confess, I've never read despite the fact I've been recommended it several times. And my colleague Lindsay in the shop loves this book, but I think, mm you get those books that just speak to you. And I think, yeah, it's a a testament to less that kind of it it sparks a moment in you.
1: It's funny, I think it's a bit of a Marmite book because I know people who I've recommended it to who who it just went, I I wouldn't say went over their heads because that that suggests that they they didn't get it. Yeah, It's more that I think not much happens. So unless, unless you get that thing from the first page where you just, I, I personally, I love the way he writes, and I yes. just sort of really love the main character. So I, I, I actually recently read the, the sequel, which is out this year, which is good. And, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. So it's a very worthy sequel. And I, I felt like it was nothing much happened in that either. It's just sort of following the same character going about his life. Which I I was fine with because I, I really enjoy the way it's written I really enjoy the character but I feel like if you don't make that connection you, you might end up reading it and just being like well um, when's something gonna happen what is there not more to it than this but no I think in terms of it it's giving me that writing spark I think it's that's just a progression of, of how any good fiction makes you feel you read a you read a book and and you go this this is what I I I th- or not this is what I think but this is what I feel about the world and it's and 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 you have that feeling where you read something on the page and you go like wow this is what i've always wanted to articulate but yes but uh but someone's done it for me so i think then being like inspired to write from that is just it's just a natural next step
0: and it was good that it brought you into sort of the publishing industry as it were because those less kind of sequel proofs as it were I know are quite hard to come by because i've I've heard a few people sort of really when they've got them they've really been like i managed to get one of the one of the i've forgotten the title of it now Uh, it's
1: called less is lost
0: yeah less is lost that's it Um, yes because my my colleague managed to get one and she was sort of taking it around the shop in a sort of a victory march because it felt like it was a special
1: special thing to receive I think it, it. I think it'll never not be incredibly cool. It, it, it's something I, I. I knew it happened, but I didn't really realise before I. I became an author that you get given books before they before they come out. Yes, but it, Yes. Yeah. It is such exciting feeling to you feel like you you've been allowed into the authors club. But no, that that one when I got the message saying do you, do you want a proof of of the new Les book? I don't think I've ever replied to anything faster because I was uh, yeah I was incredibly excited.
0: Fumbling over the keyboard to be like, yes, exactly. yes bring bring the proof. My favorite you don't come thing, across as uncool. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. How do, how, how do I say yes emphatically without seeming kind of too keen? Yeah, my favorite thing to do, and I always feel like I'm like, oh Jack, you're such an idiot. But I, when I have a proof of a, a book that I'm really excited to read, I always have a slight thing that when I'm out in public reading it, I'm like, yep, that's right. You can't get this book yet; not published. No one, no one knows. Like you'd, ha- you'd have to know what the book is. But in my head, I imagine that people yeah. are thinking, "Wow, how did he get that?" Reading less is lost. <laughs> yes, exactly. How did he? get How did he get this must prize? Be <laughs> this prize possession. And so, yeah. okay, so less is lost. Then you, you obviously read quite recently. And yeah. is there, you, is there any other books that you read, let's say, in sort of the past kind of month or so, or the past couple of months that has really, really stood out? for you
1: there definitely will be i'm gonna i'm gonna do i'm gonna open my goodreads right now because i i know otherwise i'll finish this conversation and then in about an hour i'll go oh i should have i should have (laughs) about that book book. yes so i i recently read a couple of a couple of books i read recently that came out this year and I, i you know as i said earlier i love i love reading I love trying to sort of stay up to date with what everyone's reading, and because yeah. when everyone's talking about a book, it makes it so much more fun to, to sort of read and then weigh into into the discussion. It feels like social social media has made the world this like huge book club, so you know you can always yeah. see everyone's opinions, and then it makes you want to read stuff. So I read Lessons in Chemistry recently by Bonnie Garmus, which I don't feel like there's there's really much point in me recommending because everyone's already recommended it, but that's oh, uh, yeah. that's a lot of fun, and I know it's I know it's already sort of optioned I think it's going to be made into a, a film or a tv show with Brie Larson and I, I knew I knew that before I was reading it and I think the whole reading experience I was like yeah yeah this will be great it's also got yeah uh, kind of already sitting here like yeah, yeah. Brie's gonna smash it it's going to be put- it's quite annoying though because you you can't picture the main character as anyone else other than the person who's yes. already been cast and uh, part of me was like oh I wonder what what Elizabeth Zott would have looked like to me if I didn't know Briar was like. But um, no, w- one thing I really liked about it, but I think it's a part that there is a point of view from the dog, from her dog, and it sounds terrible, but it's really cleverly done, and yeah. I really enjoyed it. It gave, it gave it this sort of strangely magical element, which I I really liked. And I'm a big uh, big dog guy, so anything anything with dogs, I will uh, I will be a big fan of and then another one i read recently which is also out this year i think it's i mean at the time of recording i think it came out six days ago maybe is notes on heartbreak by annie lord which is a memoir about the author's breakup and it is just so honest and raw and bold but it's it's also really really funny which it's that was sort of my my perfect book because i love the books i mentioned before i I love books that can take a a serious topic but not make it dour. but it's just it's just uh, it was a lot fun to read and i and i I have a lot of respect for annie because it 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 was it was a really really reading a a memoir that's also that doesn't shy away from anything i think it's it's a really really refreshing refreshing experience so yeah i would i would recommend both of those
0: i always i'm always very impressed because i think a lot of um obviously a lot of fiction writers discuss very sort of raw emotions or very sort of personal things but obviously through a kind of a story through a fiction so i do always admire people who go no this is this is my story this is me and uh, are mentioning stuff or kind of you know exploring things that for most of us we would kind of want to sort of shy away from a bit or or at least distance ourselves i really do yet yeah, admire that kind of level of kind of brutal brutal
1: honesty as it were one one book that had a big effect on me which i read a couple of years ago while i was writing Isaac and the egg so Isaac and the egg it, it grief is a is a very central yep. theme in the book and i read a memoir by a guy called Francisco Goldman and I, it's called Say Her Name. I think I've got his name right. It's called Say Her Name and it is a piece of non-fiction about the death of the author's girlfriend in a, in a freak accident and it was just, he just tells you everything. He, he, he says the accident happens and he just basically details his life in the months and, and the, the year or two after it happens. And it, it was really, really difficult to read. It, it, it was it was mm-hmm. so raw and it almost felt like you were reading a horror at times because of just yes. how visceral his, his reaction and the way he acts every day is. But but it was a it was a really stunning piece of work because to to be able to to write in the aftermath of something like that, let alone to write it all down and be so honest and candid and, mm. and to create this work of art which is really what what he did with it. it I think it's one of those books that you, you can't help feeling a bit changed after reading it and, yes. I, and that's a perfect example of one of those memoirs that really just tells you everything and, and is all the better for it.
0: Yes and it's always a, a very, I don't know, it's a very particular experience reading something like that. I remember, oh goodness this was probably about eight years ago now, I was in Australia, and someone recommended a book called Holding the Man, which I've completely forgotten the author's name, but he, he's Australian. And it's about basically he, he met his, this was sort of back in the 80s, I think he met his boyfriend at like an all boys school, which obviously then was a bit that it, the school wasn't too happy about that. Mm. But it's basically about his experience of them being together, but then his, his partner dying of, of HIV. And would I describe it as a nice read? No, because I was sobbing constantly like really just absolutely bawling but also i don't know there's a great also beauty in it as well because it feels by kind of acknowledging that pain that kind of grief there's also the kind of the flip side of that is a a kind of a a celebration of of life and kind of you know that 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 grief is kind of an is in some ways a kind of a sick example of how important that person was to you in in life and it it is kind of a weird and that is not that i will get there eventually but that is something that's (laughs) very apparent in isaac and the egg as well so say her name mrs dalloway these are books that feels like they've had a marked if if not profound effect on you my next question is a book that changed your life which i always feel cruel asking because, as I've said many times on this podcast, I actually don't know if I could answer the question myself. But if you were to assign a book that title, or or it can be a couple of books, I'm not I'm not too strict. What, what would you reach for?
1: So, I think the the I, I would probably go back to the first books. I uh, the the, the first the first books that really changed my life were a series of books called The Edge Chronicles. So this probably oh yeah, I. I don't know how old i would have been eight nine ten and i i read this series of books paul an author called paul stewart and they're illustrated by chris riddell who's a, a hero of mine yeah um and they basically they're they're fantasy that they're, they're, they're for children for teenagers and they're all set on this this sort of jutting cliff with i think you have like you have the city and then you have the deep woods and then you have this big floating rock with a castle on top and that's where sort of the the, the high and mighty people lived, but i just remember being totally swept into this world that i became totally obsessed with which i could say the same about a lot of books i read as a kid the mm. difference is it was the illustrations that just i would say changed my life because okay i never stopped drawing after after i read those books i i probably for the first 15 years of my life i i I was going to be an illustrator that's all i wanted um, to do whether it was great. drawing, my whether it was making my own comic books or whether it was it was being an illustrator which i used to do for, for sort of bands and gig posters as a teenager um, when i was been, in the back yeah. i used to i used to sort of uh, illustrate gig posters in return for my band getting sort of the earliest slot on the, on the stage. <laughs> good, uh, good. I like the, the stage just chris riddell's illustrations really inspired me to start drawing and mm. i have always in every aspect of creating whether that's sort of being a journalist or now being being a writer of of, of books i've never let go of that artistic side of it the, the, okay. the, the yeah. how, how it looks uh, as much as how it sounds and what it means so i i something that people seem to have enjoyed about Ging the egg is it's got it plays with typography quite a lot there's a lot of yeah. design choices and and i was very lucky to work quite closely with headlines art director patrick insole who himself came from a background of urban's books so he he designed a lot of the patrick Nesses. i think he designed the, the chaos walking series which no, anyone who's read those know, knows, knows how, how crazy the typography is those. and i i just it when i was writing it i was very much even even in a badly formatted google doc having an eye to how every page would look and, and the way that the text would interplay and then yeah. there's even a, a word search in there at one point which i was especially proud of but i, I can trace all of that back to to reading those edge chronicles books mm, okay. looking at those chris riddell illustrations and just understanding from the get-go the story you tell is is just as important as, as how you tell it visually
0: and is my first question is do, so do you still draw or is that did that sort of fall by the wayside, or is it sort of um, now a bit of a dirty secret that you sort of do for yourself, but
1: kind of it doesn't see the light? Yeah, of I think I think the latter okay. probably. I definitely wouldn't. I, I wouldn't because I I used uh, because I used to so much. I, people have said, "Oh, will you write a write a kids book and illustrate it one day?" and and I sort of say, "I'm not that good." <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to. to doodle in the margins nowadays but there are there are professional illustrators who do a lot better than me but no it's it's something that i i still enjoy doing and there is without giving too much away about isaac and the egg for people who haven't read it there's a very illustratable character that i do have a my drawing of that i will i will one day share but it's funny even even at this point, I've already started to see people's illustrations of of the egg, which which amazing.
0: is amazing, fascinating. Okay, yes.
1: So yeah, maybe maybe one day that will come to light, but but for now, it's very much just for myself. Yes,
0: I mean you're saying that, but I don't know. I, I can see the the publishing industry getting wind of this, and someone will be like, let's get a full, let's get the Isaac and the Egg, the graphic novel. <laughs> Illustri- yeah. Illustrated by the writer, yeah, you're gonna you have to watch out for that email probably dropping a dropping email <laughs> box one day. That brings us on to to your to your debut novel Isaac and the Egg, which, yes, I must say, has a very it's not just in terms of typography, but reading it, it has a great sort of you, the best phrase I can think of for it is a visual vo- vocabulary. It's a very I can picture everything as I'm reading it. In a, it's not that other books don't do that. But hearing your kind of artistic background, what spoke to you when you were younger, it suddenly that all kind of really clicks into place because it's got, I don't know, the images are very vivid to me. And the moment you said that you have an illustration of the egg, I was, I feel, again, without giving too much away, I, I can just see it instantly. It, I, can, mm-hmm. I can tell that was kind of important for you going, going into writing that. Because just the visuals of the book are very, they're very, they, they jump off the page.
1: What, what's funny is I, I it, it was never a conscious decision to do that. It, it just, yeah. As I was writing it, I knew that it would look the way it looks. The, the main character, Isaac, is, is a, a children's illustrator, which I actually sort of hadn't, hadn't really thought <laughs> into deeply. But when we're having this conversation, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. His, his wife in the book, Mary, is a author of children's books. So I knew from the get go that they would, like you say, a visual vocabulary, it it would, it would be about the way that they spoke to each other and the way that Isaac, when he loses Mary, almost retreats into a state of childishness, but also communicates with the world through the only way he knows how, which is, which is through visual. So, so for me, I always knew that if Isaac had been told, by his, uh, by his therapist to, to think about the stages of grief, then they would come to him in a word search. Or I knew yes. that if Isaac finds a giant egg in the woods, that his thoughts would be in the shape of an egg as he's racing yes. home in the car. It, it, it felt like I, I was building a character in Isaac who was very visual and very scatterbrained, so that I wanted to, to represent that on the page, I think.
0: And that ties in perfectly with because it seems like from what you've said, you've always enjoyed books that, despite dealing Isaac and the egg, you know, we meet a character, we meet Isaac at, to put it lightly, his lowest ebb. He's, he's not in, he's not in a good place, and there's every possibility that a book like that, just if you were just to write the story down as a couple of sentences, you would think, oh, this is, it could be quite sort of grim. And it is at points, it's the the pain is is very visceral but there's a great playfulness to it as well. It is it is a funny book. It's again without giving it too much away, I was the other night I was sort of trying to explain and uh, this is going to sound so odd now cuz I, I don't want to explain anything for those who haven't <laughs> read it, so it's going to sound really vague, but there is a certain thing that happens in the book and it's a sound that you hear when something is happening that for me i found so endlessly entertaining i think you would have to read it to get it because i was trying mm. to explain it to my partner and he was just sort of looking at me like are you okay is, is, is it, it wasn't i wasn't explaining I, it properly but on the i on know the exactly face, what you mean i'm
1: <laughs> good
0: good good I'm, I'm glad the people listening to this will think well this is mm. read the book you need to read the book because yeah, yeah if you want to know what we're talking about you have to read the book but yes humor it, obviously, incredibly, incredibly important to you writing this book and and as a writer.
1: Yes, yeah, and and I would say humour more so than anything else for me. I, I when I started writing this book, I, I there was no doubt in my mind it was a comedy, and it isn't really. I think I think if anyone defined it, they probably wouldn't say it was a comedy. But when I was approaching it, I knew I wanted it to be funny because I think it's a lot easier to write something. This, this is going to sound strange, to write something funny that then ends up being serious as opposed to writing something serious and then trying to add humor. Mm. Weirdly, what comes to mind for me is I remember uh, reading an interview years and years ago with a guy who, I think it's Vince Gilligan, who created Breaking Bad. And he was asked, y- this is such a dark and serious show. Why do you only cast comedy actors? Because pretty much all, all the main cast were mm. yes. stand-up comedians. And he said, because funny actors know how to do serious, but serious mm. actors don't know how to do funny, and I think that's a weird. That's almost how I, I approached writing this. I knew straight away I wanted to drop the drop the reader into this huge contradiction that you would have a really, really, really serious scenario. You'd have the, probably the the realist, most human possible story, yeah. and then you would just have this absolutely absurd element that has no place in it, and then the challenge of the book both for me writing it but also for the reader is, is squaring those two things and, and i like to think as the the more the story comes together the more it makes sense you yes. know as certain things are revealed you realize why why the humor and the the heartache exist side by side but yeah it's it's i mean the, the, the original idea was was very much i was i was watching things like paddington 2 or the the Mandalorian, the Star Wars show with Baby Yoda in it. I I, I, I oh, came up yeah. with the idea for the book during the Baby Yoda craze because my my original, my, <laughs> Baby my original. yeah well my original idea was it was essentially what if you took a very serious drama with some very serious things to say mm-hmm. and then Baby Yoda was just there the whole time as well. He's just sort of in the corner of the frame and and the the book spun off from that. So yeah. But I probably won't, that, that's probably not the best The best blurb for it. I won't, I won't be putting on the back, it's a serious drama, but with Baby Yoda too. <laughs>
0: it's, yes, I'm just imagining sort of spread across the top of the front page now, inspired by The Chronicles of Baby Yoda. <laughs> that really does, what I love about that, that really does, it, it makes it really a novel of the 21st century, that kind of one of the mm. key inspirations from you were this kind of, I remember watching it, and that was... That was a lockdown thing as well, wasn't it, Baby Yoda? That
1: so it it was just pre lockdown because I remember I remember the craze being around the time that I came up with the idea for the book, and that would have been October end of twenty nineteen. Right. Okay. Right. And I remember I started writing it at the start of the following year, and about three weeks after I started writing it, we went into lockdown and suddenly you had time to yeah to, and i was writing a book about a, a, a man shut indoors and in his dressing gown, yes. lo- losing his grip on reality so i think it, it ended up feeding in quite well yeah
0: the perfect yeah the well no not the perfect setup but yeah you can you can you can get there was that There's a lot to draw on yeah yes yeah you can get that off the page as well and I must say, Paddington 2, I mean, a great inspiration to have because I, this is going completely off topic now, I'm sorry, but I personally think probably one of the, the if, you, if you were to give a film the title of kind of perfect film, for me, mm. Paddington 2 in terms of storytelling is is kind of spot on.
1: I totally and agree. It, I feel like it, it's, it's unfashionable to admit that you like mass market films or films that are I, I mean, I, I, pa- 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 I, would, I was going to say Made for Children, but Paddington 2 not Made for Children. It's a, yeah. it, it's, a, it's a work of art. And I think you can you can like high culture. and, and It's not low culture either, actually. It's a fantastic film. But you can, you can like high culture and um, blockbuster films at the same time. And I think that was a, a huge part of the book as well, is that I, there's a lot of pop culture in there. And, it, I, and yes. I, I liked hearing that you think it's a, a 21st century book because I think the way the characters act is very... 21st century. In terms of an example yeah. that comes to mind is Isaac walking into the woods, seeing a giant egg, and the first thing he thinks is, "This is like Jurassic Park," because that's yes. how I have yes. approached the world. But we watch so many films, we watch so much TV nowadays that that's our frames of reference are those. So I wanted to to play with that a lot in the writing. So it's constantly referencing specifically ET and It's a Wonderful Life, which yeah. is it's a bit of a mashup of, but also it's talking about Dirty Dancing. It's talking about Footloose, all these sorts of things. There's a lot of references like that, because I'm I'm as inspired by films and TV and, and all that sort of pop culture as I am by by literature.
0: Yes, and I would say while Isaac and the Egg is a it's a contested term, and I'm always, I'm always shy of using it, but it's definitely like a, a literary book, and you can tell it has it, it's taking influence from different things. But what I like about it is it does it wears that lightly. And I think you could you could imagine it would be tempting to go, right, we're getting into this character's head, but wanting to avoid sort of too many kind of pop culture references, because yeah. some people would see that as kind of like, oh, no, 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 it, you don't have those in books. But as you said, that's how people, we kind of experience the world through stories. The moment you've read something or watched something or listened to something that really yeah. kind of speaks to you or you just enjoyed it doesn't have to even speak to you i don't think jurassic park spoke to me on kind of an emotional level <laughs> yeah but it stays with you everyone's seen that yeah. film and actually that is how and i think as you said particularly it does make it a 21st century novel because i think in the social media age people are much more memes and things like that kind of work on this kind of oh i think
1: that too uh, that is my reference to and it's, that's a, it's a universal good. language isn't it a lot a lot more so than you most people don't read loads of books but everyone knows everyone knows Jurassic park and everyone knows you talk about memes everyone knows baby yoda (laughs) (laughs) is this this sort of universal language that everyone has and everyone speaks to with nowadays and i think it it, it was important for me to to get that in there because like you say it's all about stories and the way the human brain works we don't go oh there are are book stories and there are our film stories and our TV, we just, our, our brains are a constant sea of, of all of these references, yes. all of this information and I think to have a, a character like Isaac who's supposed to be a normal person but then never think about the more normal aspect of yes. his life whether that's sitting down and watching a film or, or sort of children's the children's book influences as well I think yes. feed into the same thing. it. It felt like that would be doing a disservice to a, a character who was who was meant to be a bit of a, not so much an everyman, but very much a, a, a 21st century man.
0: Yes. And I think from a bookselling point of view, I think what's so kind of wonderful about that is you get books which are, they're doing something which is brilliant and you can enjoy, but for some people might, I don't know, be a bit alienating, let's say, or whatnot. But I think what, for me as a bookseller, kind of our, uh, priority is matching people up with the right book and we want people to enjoy reading and to kind of connect with stories. And I can imagine Isaac and the Egg will it will speak to people who are big readers, who read all sorts of things, who love that. But also I can imagine it's the type of book that if someone came into the shop and they were like, Oh, I don't read very often, but I'm looking for something like this and that. I think it's just from the first page it kind of it pulls you in and it it never there's so much that different people can connect to. And I remember one of the, again, you've got so many good quotes on, on this book from people who've read it, but one of them, I typically can't find it now, is that it kind of, it will, oh, that's it. It's it's the one about, it will speak to you. It will speak to you differently depending on kind of what's brought you to this point. And I thought that's a really lovely sentence because it does perfectly kind of express kind of the emotional reaction people will have to this book, I think.
1: What's been quite special to me is a lot of young men have read it and have really connected with it and I think mm. the, the the vast readership of fiction as far as I understand it is is female and, and mm. a lot of men read nonfiction that's this it, it, it sounds so stereotypical, but it is statistically that's that's true and I think unless like us you're you're um, sort of in the publishing world or or you are someone who you find yourself on, in, on enjoying fiction. I think a lot of young men don't read fiction. So I've had quite a few people say to me, oh, I don't really read fiction. I don't really read novels, but I really connected with it. And, and that's a, an incredibly special thing to hear because I think it does mean that there, it, there is some sort of, that it, that it is accessible maybe to, to people who wouldn't necessarily go into a bookshop and, and
0: yes, pick yeah. up
1: a work of fiction
0: it's I I really do think it's the ultimate compliment because it, it it's it's a bit like you when you're talking about mrs. Dalloway earlier people can go it, it can take a while as a reader to find what you enjoy but you can spend a good while I think about in the past the amount of books I read that I did, didn't particularly do anything for me and then you find what you like and you're kind of you're set on a course there so these books that kind of for people who don't usually read who they 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 really connect to it's great because it 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 also sets off kind of a pattern because i think once people find a book that they've really enjoyed we see it in the shop all the time people come in oh i don't really read here's a book loved it suddenly we're seeing them we've got one customer now he comes in once a week to tell us about the books he's read to to see what other books have come in it will spark something off and that's yet i think the the greatest compliment right
1: it's a bit like being a picky eater if you sort of have a prawn, and then you go, oh well, I'll I'll try a I'll try that as well, and yeah, that that's coming from. I was a, I was a very picky eater as a kid, and it's oh, okay. So, I, it feels like the same. number I remember. I, remember I think prawns, weirdly, being the the gateway drug to shellfish, which then turned to. I started okay. eating some vegetables, and then now I'll eat anything. So I think it's what? it's like okay. a, a fiction version of that. Talk about tangents. That's probably the biggest tangent. I, I was would just about to say, yeah, I'm surprised the prawn was the kind of the. It's weird. You think that would be that would be a, a later one, but no, the, the last ones were were very much the green vegetables. They were sort of the the, the, the zenith for me of of being a non picky eater anymore.
0: So Isaac and the Egg. It's inspired by Baby Yoda. And it's the porn
1: <laughs> of the of the of the kind of li- yeah. of the literary world yeah of the literary diet it's, yeah it's of cruel. the literary it diet yes be, it did. should be egg really but no it's it's the porn. yes well yeah exactly
0: well I think that brings us pretty much to the end of our talk. Bobby, thank you so much for joining us. I don't know if you've got any final words for our listeners because of course as I said when this comes out the book would have already been it been published and I'm sure probably many of our listeners by this point would have already heard about the book. I think once it's out in the wild I think it will be kind of like an internet meme. It will kind of be of its own once it's out in the world, it kind of becomes its own thing. You're, you as the writer, sort of you don't lose control of it, but it's yeah, you set yeah. It free as it were. for those people who have maybe heard about the book but they haven't reached for it yet, what would you
1: what would you say to them to get them to pick that book up? Uh, what are you waiting for? Oh, <laughs> no, good. I, I would uh, I would say I hope you I hope you read it. I hope this this talk is but the the funny thing is uh, talking about it you can only say so much we've had to dance around so much of the what happened to the book because I think it is a a great one to go into fairly blind so I I would say don't read the blurb don't don't read anything else just just pick it up and start from the first page and see where it takes you and if you do I really hope you enjoy it fantastic
0: and I'm sure people would I wasn't it wasn't just a kind of podcast podcast flattery when I said that I think this is a book that will be can just see it from again from a book selling point of view, this will be a book that customers come in and say, Oh, that book, I <laughs> loved it. And we get and then we have the difficult job of being like they come in and they're like, Oh, I'd like a book that was like Isaac and the Egg and we're thinking damn it, what have we got? And you you have to search the shelves for something that speaks to them in the same way. Bobby, good luck for publication day. Thank you so much for joining us on Mostly Books Meets. Thanks for having me. It's been an honour. All of the books mentioned during the podcast are available to buy from the Mostly Books website. This podcast has been presented and produced by members of the team at Mostly Books in Abingdon. If you enjoyed what you heard... Please rate, review and subscribe because it helps people find us.